Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Easy Peasy Show brought to you by Sonic. You can listen to every episode of the Easy Peasy Show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or anywhere else you usually listen to your podcast on. Once again, thank you for tuning in. Now let's get into the episode. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Easy Peasy Show. Once again, I am Zach here with my co-host, Peyton. Today is September 15th. It is a beautiful Friday, and we are here to pick up where we left off on last episode which we recorded Monday. We skipped an episode Wednesday. Uh, Anyways, we didn't have a chance to do our beloved Victory Monday segment. So we're going to alter it a little bit, call it Victory Friday, and um, get to stepping on that. So Peyton, uh, give me a winner or two or three, whatever. Start us off for Victory Friday. Yeah, so uh, I would like to apologize for the other day. Um, Had some technical difficulties. Could not not get back into the podcast. So that's why uh, my co-host Zach was was uh expected to finish up the episode um hopefully we don't have any kind of issues like that this this time out um knock on wood honestly it was probably good for y'all because i was like (laughs) i'm not gonna lie i was screaming i was ranting about something (laughs) uh, next thing i know i i finish up and i turn like i said that's all i got though and then uh i don't hear anything back so Maybe it was probably a blessing that y'all didn't have to hear that. Um, but yeah, so I'll go uh, my my three winners from last weekend: uh, University of Texas with their win over Alabama. They are essentially officially back. Um, Sean Strickland and Tua Tagovailoa and the Dolphins. So I'll kind of break those down a little bit. University of Texas obviously been building. Uh, a lot of talent there over the, over the years. Now they they got a big, huge upset win over Bama at at Bama. So, um, kind of, I wouldn't say a passing of the torch, but a sign of the end times for Bama, um, and a sign of things to come for Texas. Moving on from there, Sean Strickland obviously won in the middleweight title over who some people argue is the middleweight GOAT. I, I disagree there, but nevertheless, he's in the conversation. Um, huge win for Sean Strickland. Really can't be understated. Um, congratulations to him. He's definitely one of the biggest winners of the weekend, although Dennis White still hates him. Um, that's that's something else entirely, though. Um, moving on from there, my last winner, Tua and the Dolphins. Uh I said on our AFC preview that I thought the Dolphins were going to be a playoff team. I thought they were going to be a great team. I thought they were going to push the Bills. Um, possibly, they might possibly be better than the Bills, if, especially if what we saw from the Bills the other night is uh, is repeated throughout the season. But uh, I also argued, Zach, that um, – Tua is one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL when healthy, and he absolutely proved that to me this past weekend. Um, I'm not ready to say he's the best, obviously, but, man, he put up quite the performance. So congratulations to Tua. Congratulations to the Dolphins. They showed that they are for real. Um, beat a really, really good Chargers team and really outdueled their offense. So that's impressive. And then going on to my loser – of the weekend, I gotta say, I would say Texas A&M as a whole, but really just Jimbo Fisher. Um, yeah, I don't know how 
Texas A&M could continue to to excuse the performance or the product that he puts on the field. Um, they signed the number one recruiting class of all time two years ago. This it's it, it's utterly ridiculous that they're this talented on the defensive and offensive line. They're getting pushed around. Um, can't they can't field a competent team, man? So. It's embarrassing for somebody, especially somebody like Jimbo Fisher, who um, is supposed to be an offensive mastermind, quarterback whisperer type of guy, and he had play calling duties stripped from him last year. And now their offense is clicking, but their defense sucks. So, yeah, um, Jimbo Fisher is definitely on the hot seat. Granted, he lost to a good Miami team last week, but uh, I think it's more so just at this point, there it it's just gotten real bad at AM. I mean, obviously missed a bowl game last year. Um on pace to have not such a good season this year. So he really needs to get things figured out over there. But yeah, he's my weekend's loser. Biggest loser, I should say. There were some other losers, but definitely my biggest loser. He is tonight's biggest loser. All right. Well, I appreciate you just ran through them all. Uh one go. I guess I'll do the same. Uh, so, yeah, some winners I have. My first winner is Trey Lyles, the guy who called out uh, NBA claiming world champions. Um, USA basketball loses uh, like twice in a row, uh, once to, I think, Germany and then again to Canada. Technically didn't even place in the FIBA championship. So I know he's smiling, he's laughing. So a big winner right there, Trey Lyles. Another winner, speaking of FIBA basketball, is Dylan Brooks. He absolutely tore up USA. I think he dropped like 40 points on their head. I made them look like clowns. And now I think LeBron James had to step in and say he's building a super team for the Olympics. So um, good going, Dylan Brooks. Uh, You know, you did something you'll never be able to do in the NBA. Quite impressive. Uh, Be happy, you know, up until you got to play actual guy on, you know, actual other teams, not coached by uh, Steve Kerr, who is a Steph Curry merchant. Um, another winner I have is DraftKings because they ran a special on Israel Adesanya to win. Um, his odds were boosted from like minus 700 to plus 100. And, uh, unfortunately for them, you could only max wager $25. But yeah, I know, uh, you know, uh, quite a few, probably a hundred thousand people bet that. And, uh, so yeah, now they're, uh, <laughs> they're over there swimming in all their cash from Israel Adesanya. And, Let's see. My last winner I have is USA because of Sean Strickland, baby. Um, he showed up, showed out, got the win over uh, Izzy Adesanya. Uh, you know, the USA chance started, and, I mean, it was such a great thing to see. Now, moving on to my losers, uh, I have USA again. Uh, obviously, I kind of already mentioned it. Uh, so unfortunately, uh, you know, the one sport that I think, you know, we invented and we're actually good at, uh, we didn't even place in, in the International Cup in the International Series of FIBA. So, yeah, pretty embarrassing for USA right there. But thankfully, we have Sean Strickland carrying us. Uh, another loser I have is my fantasy team. I didn't even crack 80 points in a, um, you know, a full PPR team uh, league, I should say. Uh, you know, we have, like, first down premiums and big play premiums. And, uh, unfortunately, my highest point getter was Patrick Mahomes with 20 points. Um, you know, I had the likes of Tyler Lockett, Zach Charbonnet, T. Higgins, had all of them on my team. Uh, who else did I have? I had some. I had some clown. I had. A, I had another clown. I had another clown starting for me. I don't matter. 
had a bu- oh, everyone on my fantasy team let me down. So yeah, big loser is my fantasy was team. Was it Aaron Rodgers? Oh yes, Aaron Rodgers. Yes, yes. Oh man, that sucked. Mr. Achilles himself. Yeah, but I mean that didn't. He wasn't. He wasn't. He he wasn't even on my list. Um, because you know that episode we were supposed to do this Monday. You know we hadn't even seen what had happened yet, technically. But you know because usually we record on Sunday night, so I would I didn't know that Aaron Rodgers was gonna um. You know, I didn't know that was going to happen to him. To be fair, so no, I won't. Um, I won't blame Aaron Rodgers for that one. I'm about to. Go, I'm about to go back really quick and check if my sleeper app will let me. Um, let me see. T. Higgins, Tyler Lockett, Juju Smith-Schuster was another one. Yeah, so they were all. Yep, they were all top contributors to my losing fantasy team. So I have two more losers. Um, one of them being Joe Burrow, or really, I guess I should say the Bengals, because you know they paid uh, Joe Burrow the most amount of money that anyone in the NFL has ever seen, just for him to go out and throw like eighty yards, um, and you know, a, a horrible eighty yards. Granted, I will say yes, the weather had an effect, and everyone knows Joe Burrow is trash week one. Um, so you know, I think the Bengals are still going to be okay. Don't get me wrong, but a uh, pretty horrid showing for Week One. So yeah, big loser is Bengals slash Joe Burrow, and my last loser, probably the biggest loser of uh, of the weekend, is Israel Adesanya's dogs. Um, so he's probably mad, you know, at uh, losing pretty handily to Sean Strickland, and uh, as we all know, or as some of us may know. Uh, Israel Adesanya has done some things to his dogs that is considered, I'm not sure if it's illegal or not, but it's definitely frowned upon. And, um, yeah, so anyways, I, I, I'd hate to know, you know, if the dogs could talk, Is would be in jail. I think he even tweeted something along those lines. And, yeah, I couldn't imagine, uh, you know, that's got to be like the wife scared that the husband's going to come home, you know, you know, like drunk and angry. That's probably what the dogs are about to uh have to um undergo they're probably def- they're definitely getting they definitely got sexually assaulted when he got home there's no doubts about that so yeah big loser israel adesanya's dogs or dog i'm not sure how many he has hopefully the government only allowed him to have one just for this well i think that dog died just just for reference I'll say oh that. no so izzy definitely got another dog dang dude <laughs> he can't live yeah. without him dude oh Oh no, man! Yeah, big loser, Israel Adesanya's dog. Yeah, I'm not sure if you saw like the press conference when he was like, "Don't talk about my dead homie" or whatever. Like he was talking about his dog. Oh man, yeah, I don't care. No, I, I know. I was There's just no man that beats off the cartoons. It's gonna beat me. <laughs> and speaking of that, be yeah, <laughs> that's a good segue into Noche UFC. Uh, which is, you know, I guess the UFC event that's going to be celebrating Mexico. Uh, you know, I don't think this event is actually being uh, hosted in Mexico. Uh-huh. It's just in Vegas, but it's going to be, I guess, like the celebration of Mexico. I will say last time I think they had a fight night in Mexico. It didn't end up well. So I think that's why they're Dana White's a little hesitant to go back because of, uh, I remember watching several years ago at this point, last time they went to Mexico, you know, how they can get, they can, um, they get, they're very passionate about sports. That's a good way to put it. Anyways, they threw like a bunch of trash into the octagon, um, as fighters were leaving or something. And so, yeah, Dana White said, you never again, are we, you know, doing that? So, um, yep. 
so we got um Noche UFC being hosted in T-Mobile Arena in Vegas. Um, kind of a weird card because I feel like there's there's going to be some good fights, but most of the fights will be one sided fights. At least odds makers think that. Um, I think every fight has a chance to be competitive, all except maybe three uh, out of eleven fights. But yeah, this is a very, especially from a betting perspective, a very chalky card. Um, a lot of moderate to big favorites. I think you know three of the fights are actually close to pickums, which is you know if you if you're into competitive fights, close your eyes, I guess, because. Uh, well, at least the good fights will be competitive. Like the the top tier, the upper echelon of the fighters on this card will be um, will be good. But yeah, this is a um, this is a championship fight, and we're getting it for free, no pay per view. Thanks to UFC, and it's actually like I said, a solid card. Um, I mean, this may be better than last week's card, last weekend's card, and you know people had to pay for that. So, for what it's worth, good job UFC. I know sometimes Dana White likes to put some of these on fight night to help grow the brand. And um, especially if he thinks that, you know, a card won't do well on pay-per-view, he'll just go ahead and make it free and put it on ESPN, which is obviously what he thinks here. But, you know, as a as a fighting fan, um, I think this is going to be a solid card top to bottom. So, uh, Peyton, if you're ready, we can get into uh, by split decision, get into the thick of it here and say our winners. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm ready. Uh, admittedly, I didn't do as much uh, research as I would have liked to. Just kind of tied up, yeah. This week as a whole, so um, Shocker. Zach will probably carry me on this with some of the lesser known fighters, but uh, I'm ready. All right, sounds good. Let me get Tapology open, and we will roll into this. Um, oh, I hate this part of Tapology. I'm a little lost here. Let's go to Fight Center. Let's go to. Let's just type in Noche UFC N O C H E. Damn, UFC Fight Night. Aha, uh-huh. here we go. Starting off with the prelims. Bam, bam, bam. One more second. Let me pull this up. And bam. Okay. Starting us off in this fight card, which uh, I think it's going to be coming on normal times, if I'm not mistaken. It's going to be like you know, one of those late, later night cards, if, uh, if I, th- I think. I don't, I don't know. Anyways, I don't know what time it starts. I just know it's in Vegas, so uh, I'm assuming it starts at its normal time. Uh, we have Josephine Knudsen, a minus 575 favorite. Like I said, a lot of heavy to moderate favorites on this card. Going up against Marduk Mann. Uh, yeah, the sawed-off savage Marduk Mann. 6-1 in her MMA career. Coming to UFC, uh, uh, debuting, like I said, against Josephine Knudsen. Um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, I'll make this short and sweet. I have uh, Knudsen be a decision. Uh, unfortunately for man, I think uh, her ground game, it's, she's very susceptible on the ground, especially for someone who uh, trains, uh, trains at Jemaya's gym. Uh, you don't want to be terrible at the ground against someone, you know, who trains there. Um, and then on top of that, if you're Marnik man, you're not that great of a striker. Uh, but for what it's worth, you're somewhat durable from what I've seen. Uh, you have one loss, and it came from a brutal head kick on the Contender Series, which that was about a year ago. So, I mean, she's fighting. Um, she's been fighting a lot recently. Um, I'm not sure if she's UFC ready, though. Like I said, the competition she's fighting hasn't been great. And like I said, against lesser competition, she hasn't looked great. Um, and now you're trying to go up against Josephine Knutson, who is, I think, legit uh, UFC caliber. Um 
She's very good at winning decisions, winning minutes. Uh, like all around good fighter. Not exactly a finisher. Like I said, she's more of a minute winner than anything. So yeah, I'm, and like I said, Martin Man is a pretty tough girl. So I don't think she's gonna be able to get a finish on Martin Man, but I think she's gonna win this fight pretty dominantly. Uh, sticks to a game plan. She's gonna have higher volume and uh, more powerful shots. And like I said, she gets this fight to the ground. I mean, Martin Man is just gonna you know sit there like a turtle on her back. So yeah, give me Knutson via decision. Um, you want me to just keep moving on, Peyton, or I don't know if you have any thoughts. Uh, I mean, I'll give my picks and my thoughts, my brief thoughts. Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything you said. I think the odds are pretty swollen in her favor for a reason. Um, yeah, give me Knutson by decision. All right, moving on to our first male MMA fight in the lightweight division. We have Charlie the Cannibal Campbell. A minus four forty favorite going up against Alex Reyes, the executioner, the plus three forty dog. Um, like I said, pretty um spread out odds here. And uh oh by the way, these odds are from DraftKings, but they are from Wednesday. So um if money's coming in on one fighter or another, uh obviously the odds are gonna have moved. Um but yeah, anyways, uh I have Charlie Campbell winning via first round knockout. Um you know, I think last time we saw him technically in the UFC was on the Contender Series. He went up against Chris Duncan, and that was a uh, it was a banger of a fight uh, for as long as it lasted. It didn't last long. Um, yeah, he he looked great against Duncan. He was, he dropped him a few times, and like it looked like he should have gotten Duncan out of there. But for as tough as Duncan was, he came out and uh, delivered a right cross and was able to knock Campbell, you know, out stone cold on the ground. Uh, delivered a couple of follow up shots that weren't necessary. But yeah, and the, super necessary. Yeah, <laughs> um, but then you know he goes, he um, you know Campbell goes back, fights Josh Streaker, a, a decent fighter himself, and knocks him out. Uh, that was just a couple months ago, so now uh, I guess like Dana uh, liked what he saw, and so he's inviting Charlie Campbell to have his UFC debut against Alex Reyes, who is um, uh, you know it's so weird because it, it it's. It's rare we see a fighter take a long layoff, come back, uh, and be good, especially at an older age. Uh, Alex Reyes is 36 years old. Uh, in a couple weeks, he's going to be 37. Charlie Campbell, 28 years old, just turned 28. Uh, like I said, a very powerful striker. He's got decent technique, good combos. He has room to work on there. Um, Alex Reyes, I'll give you my read on him from what I've seen. Um He's got great cardio and good grappling uh, from the fl- from the last fights I've seen. But uh, to go back to my point, I was going to get at. So the last fight he fought was Mike Perry. Uh, that's a name you haven't heard in the UFC in a while. And yeah, so he fought Mike Perry six years ago. That was the last time he fought was six years ago. Uh, he was thirty years old, and like I said, he got knocked out by Mike Perry. So you take a six-year-long layoff. And you come back to the UFC and fight someone, fight a young contender in Charlie Campbell, who you know has the power of Mike Perry, uh, has probably better technique than Mike Perry. You know, Mike Perry's just kind of a wild man in there. Um, yeah, I had I kind of had to look Alex Ray's up because I was like, why why are you taking a six year layoff? Um, <laughs> you know, usually you hear of like one or two year layoffs and like younger people too. You know, thirty years old isn't like the end of the world to have a layoff and train and stuff, but. You had a six-year layoff and you're 30 years old. So what went wrong or what's going on? Um, apparently, I say apparently, there's just rumors out there that he's just uh, had injury after injury after injury. 
So, yeah, if you're having that long of a layoff because of injuries, uh, there's no way anyone can bet you. I think the odds kind of reflect that. No one's seen you fight in six years. The last time we saw you fight, you got knocked out cold by Mike Perry. So, yeah, give me Charlie Campbell, and I'm going to take Charlie Campbell via first-round knockout. I mean, Alex Reyes is, is decently decently durable. Uh, he's got better cardio than anything, a good grappling. But, like I said, I don't know. You're, I'm assuming you're coming off of injuries. I'd like to see how you look at weigh-ins, but, dude, I mean, no, no, you fell off the face of the earth six years ago. Well, welcome back to the UFC. Somehow, like I, said, I think they, they just had to dust off the um, – the roster book or something and just like threw a dart at a name and they pulled you. And um, yeah, so I think unfortunately for him, he's getting thrown to Charlie Campbell. Um, it should be a decently easy fight for Charlie Campbell. Uh, it could be close if Alex Reyes decides to grapple. Does he? No, I don't think so. So yeah, give me Campbell via first round knockout. I don't think this fight's going to be particularly close. Out with the old and with the new. Yep, I agree. Uh, I'm like you. Six-year layoff really concerns me. Uh, why is he taking a six-year layoff? Like you said, it's got to be due to injury. I don't. I don't think any any fighter would take a layoff for anything other than that. So, yep, give me Campbell. And moving on to another women's MMA fight in the flyweight division, uh, we have mm-hmm. Tracy Cortez going up against Jasmine Jazdevicious. Uh, all name right there about Jasmine the Jazzy Vicious. Uh, this fight is close. It's a pick 'em. Uh, Cortez minus one eighteen, Jazzy Vicious minus one hundred two. So um, yeah, for more, it looks like a little bit more money has been coming in on Cortez, and I see why. I have Cortez via decision. Um, both these fighters are wrestlers, so I don't really particularly see this fight staying on the feet. So I think regardless, it goes to decision, and it really depends. Um, really depends, I guess, you know, pick your poison, who you want to win. But, yeah, uh, this is Noche UFC. Give me the fighter with the, um, you know, she's uh, she's not from not fighting out of Mexico, at least. Uh, fighting out of Arizona, which is close enough compared to this uh, Jazzy DeVicious, who's fighting out of Canada. So, yeah, if this goes into decision, and, uh, we you know, we have uh, crooked judges now in the UFC. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think this is going to be close. Like I said, wrestler versus wrestler. Uh, I, mean, I think Cortez has a slight edge on the feet. Because Jasmine has been showing her past few fights that she, I mean, she's getting outlanded. Um, she's getting outlanded badly by opponents who have lesser striking ability than Cortez. Um, you know, she, for what it's worth, Jasmine can get takedowns and she can make fights competitive on the ground, but she's not exactly great on the ground. Um, and I, like I said, she's going up against Cortez, who I think is good on the ground, especially on the top. Uh, from what I've seen, anytime Cortez gets uh, gets a takedown and gets on top, she's not going anywhere from the top. Um, a lot better on the top than she is the bottom. So like I said both these girls have flaws in their game, uh, and like I said, really, it's it's going to be it's going to be a decently boring fight. It's going to come down to the judges. So give me the fighter with the Mexican last name and Cortez to win. I got Tracy Cortez for your decision. Yep. Uh wholeheartedly agree with everything you said, um, especially the fact that she's a little bit closer to Mexico. I think that makes a huge difference, especially in today's UFC. Um, give me Cortez via decision. All right, moving on to a flyweight division fight. Um, I think this fight finishes. We have Edgar Chara as a minus 258 favorite. Like I said, we're getting back into the, um, you know, chalkier odds here. Going up against Daniel Lacerda. Uh, Miyoho, sorry, uh, plus 210 odds, a uh, moderate underdog here. And this fight going up against Edgar Chares, who uh, I'm a decent fan of Chares. 
uh, you know, been in the UFC a little bit now. Um, you know, we saw him in the contender series about a year ago. Lost a unanimous decision, Clayton Carpenter. Uh, but then, you know, he gets invited back to the UFC and also loses to uh, Tatsuo Terra via decision again. Uh, he fought about a couple months ago. Uh, and for what I've seen, he's a very, very durable fella. Um, he's not really getting finished, if I can remember correctly. Um, he has very good technical striking, uh, very good power in his punches. I think he's a pretty, pretty dangerous guy on the ground. Uh, I think his nickname Pitbull for the Pitbull for a reason. Uh, like I said, he's just a uh, short guy who he's going to cause you a lot of problems. Um, yeah, I think he's. I think he has um, excellent cardio too. Like I said, most flyweights do. It's where it's rare to see a flyweight who has bad cardio, which is a good segue into Daniel Lacerda, who doesn't have good cardio and he also isn't durable. Um, you know, unfortunately, pretty important things if you want to be an MMA fighter. Um, but for what it's worth, this dude, um, oh, a little tad bit of information here, maybe to um, bridge some gaps. Uh, in his last five fights, he is one and four. He has lost all four of his UFC fights. Um, yeah, he's uh, had four fights in the span of two, two years, and he's lost all four of them. And yes, he's gotten finished in all four of them. Uh, 11 and five record, but like I said, hasn't looked good in the UFC. Uh, and like I said, that's thanks to his cardio and the fact that he isn't all that durable. But boy, his fights are exciting. He's one of those fighters who, uh, you know, who's going to give you five minutes of pure entertainment in the first round. Um, and like I said, he's going to be very, inter- very entertaining. But like I said, you're going to be against Adam Gutierrez, who, uh, who is very durable and has excellent cardio. And I think, yeah, I think he probably has better technical striking than you. Um, and Lerceda, I mean, he has better striking than Lerceda. And like, so, I mean, give me the guy who's more durable and has more cardio in Edgar Chavez. Uh, like I said, I think this fight's going to be very entertaining. But if Lacerda doesn't finish this in the first few minutes, um, and then I think Chavez is going to piece him apart and kind of do essentially whatever he wants. Like I said, he's going to look like – this fight's going to look close in the first round, but then I think Chavez is going to start pulling away. Uh, a flyweight having no cardio is a um, pretty – Pretty bad thing. So yeah, I'm gonna I have Charles via second round sub. I I I envision like a club and sub kind of thing. I think he's gonna be able to knock him down on the ground and then eventually work his way into a submission. Yep. I uh like I said, again I agree with pretty much everything you said. Uh I also have Charles via decision. Nice. All right, moving on to what should be another exciting fight. Um you know, bigger odd spread here, pretty chalky. Uh, two guys who we've mentioned here on the uh, short life of our podcast, but it shows you how recently they fought. Uh, Roman Kopilov and Josh Frim. Kopilov a minus 345 favorite, pretty moderate right there, a borderline heavy, and Josh Frim plus 275, at least the last time I checked. So, uh, yeah, we've covered both these guys, and I think me and Peyton are both pretty high on Roman Kopilov. Unless he just fought a couple months ago, I believe, on the uh, Poirier and uh, Gaethje card. And he had a vicious, vicious head kick knockout against Romero. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we kind of, I think we predicted a knockout. Not like that, though. Um, so, yeah, Kopulov, uh, to be honest, I mean, I just copied my notes from the last time I uh, I watched him because, I mean, obviously in a couple months, not much is going to change. But uh, for what it's worth, he's been fighting in, um, how do you say, Dagestan? Dagestan? So, um, man, he doesn't have he doesn't have the best ground game, but 
but like I said, he's training over there. He's, he's so he's he's definitely improving. That's terrible. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, like if that's the one thing you struggle in, and you're training in Dagestan to work on it, um, you're eventually going to become unstoppable. And like I said, I think I think Kapilov is eventually going to catch his prime here pretty pretty quickly. Um, like I said, especially going against Josh Frum, uh, who I'll touch on in a minute. I'll finish my notes on Kapilov. Like I said, I just copied these from the last time I covered them. Uh, he has a very good sense of when to go in for the finish. Like I said, head kick knockout a couple months ago kind of shows that he picks up his spots very well, very powerful. He's finished very tough guys. Um, he has very high output volume. Uh, his technique is exceptional, and like I said, he he himself is very durable. Um, you know, even though it seems like he he's getting rocked or taking his fair share of punches, he just keeps moving forward. And um, you know, if you hit one on him, he's going to throw two back. So. Um, as a, he's probably going to land him. His technique is, I wouldn't say flawless, but it's, um, it's, it's pretty good. I, I, I eventually see this guy getting in the rankings in the middleweight division. Um, I think he is ranked, uh, unless you're mean just top 10, but he is officially number 14. Oh, oh nice. Uh, last thing I saw, say so he was like 39 worldwide, you know, which means they're not ranked in the UFC yet, but, um, nice. Good for him. That's awesome. Let me let me, let me double check. On well, that, no, you're probably right because ta- I'm finding out tap tapology is like very uh, weird with rankings. Yeah, it can be. So, see. I mean, for what's worth, it has Sean Strickland number one and Izzy number two. So, I mean, maybe it's updated. Granted, it has Whitaker at three and Duplessis at four. So, <laughs> I don't know if um oh, oh maybe I'm crazy. Could have sworn I saw a 14 next to his name the other day. Yeah, I mean, you may be thinking of someone else, but yeah, uh, at least on my thing, it says he's 39 and his opponent, Josh Frim, is 65. Pretty big uh, gap right there and um, yeah. in rankings. And uh, I think there's there's a reason why. So Josh Frim, obviously his last fight against Jamie Pickett, we were pretty high on him, mainly because we were pretty low on Jamie Pickett. Jamie Pickett's not a guy who you have in your pocket as your resume win. Um, yeah, you're Josh Frim. Uh, just a little over a year ago, you lost to Trey Sean Gore. Uh, I think, what, would you lose via submission? Yep. Um, but, I mean, like I said, I mean, you went against Jamie Pickett. Good. Everyone expected you to. But, dude, I mean, you you looked terrible against Jamie Pickett. Let's be honest. You look slow. You look sloppy. Um, and it's like it's like everything that, like, I thought he could get going, he just he didn't seem to. Um, like I, said, I mean, he deserved a win because he's going against Jamie Pickett. But still, I mean, he looked he looked he looked awful against Jamie Pickett. You do that against Roman Kopilov, good luck. Um, you don't stand a chance, you I don't think. The, nights up and, the lights out. Yeah, and like, um, you know, I think Kopilov's original opponent, I forgot who it was, forgive me, but Josh Frim is kind of stepping in on short notice here. And he's taking he's taking a pretty, I'd say a pretty big step up in competition. I have pretty decent, but I'm going to say pretty big. Um, so, yeah, give me Kopilov via second-round knockout. I think he's just going to – I think it's, it's going to be a decently entertaining fight, and I think Frim's going to – Probably going to get a couple punches in, but if he can't get, get anything going against Kopilov, Kopilov is just going to sit there and do what he wants. It's going to be heavy bag training for him with just a live human. So, yeah, give me Kopilov via second-round decision. Um, you know, uh, I think Josh Frim is going to have his opportunities, but like I said, it's just after watching his last fight, my my confidence in him being able to get something going against Kopilov is very low, which is why I kind of kind of agree with these odds. Kind of, uh, you know, I wouldn't feel comfortable laying minus three forty five on Copy Love, but um, it's kind of, at the same time it's kind of hard not to because like I say Copy Love is kind of like a tank. He just he's very powerful, very durable, and um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, a frame gets his fight down to the ground. I mean, Copy Love could struggle there, but 
I don't know. I don't see it happening. I don't. I don't. Like I said, it's hard for me not to look at last, like have recency bias in their last fights. You know, seeing Kapilov get a vicious head kick knockout, and Frim getting a sloppy decision win against one of the worst fighters in the middleweight division. So, yeah. All in all, Kapilov second round knockout. Book it. Yeah, uh, Kapilov is absolutely terrifying. Uh, Frim looked terrible in his last outing, but Kapilov is a different beast, man. I think. I think he needs to clean some stuff up. I think defensively he gets tagged a little bit. Like you said, he's a tough dude, but I think he does get hit a little bit too much for my liking. Um, obviously the wrestling aspect, but he's taking care of that by uh, training in Dagestan. But, um, I mean, if you can clean stuff up, I mean, you could legitimately be looking at a new title contender. Uh, maybe not, not right now, but. In a few years from now, you could be looking at maybe the next ace of that division uh, in terms of holding the belt. Um, I'm not saying that happens because, I mean, God knows there's so much, so many things that could happen in in his career, um, other people's careers. He might not develop like a lot of people think he will, but I mean, dude's got all the power in the world. He's and he like you said, he's a great striker. He takes out his his shots well. I mean, dude is terrifying. So I don't think Firm stands a chance against him, really. Yeah. Well said. Um, yeah. So, anyways, moving on to our thing. Uh, this may be the future prelim. I believe so. Yeah. Um, another women's MMA fight. Uh, Lupita Gudinez, uh, Lupi minus four forty favorite, pretty big going up against Elise Reed. Uh, we have classic battle Mexico versus United States here. Oh, sorry, Elise Reed's a plus three forty dog. Um, and speaking of Reed, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too impressed with her. Um, I understand why these odds are pretty spread out. Um, on the feet, pretty solid. Uh, very good striking, good power, too, for women's MMA. Uh, this is in the strawweight division, by the way, 115. Um, but, man, on the ground, terrible. Uh, probably one of the worst ground fighters in the UFC. Uh, bad ground game, bad takedown defense. Like as soon as she's as she's taken down, she might as well just lay there. I mean, she might as well take a nap. It, it don't matter. She she she'll be more productive getting some shut eye than trying to get up. Um, because yeah, you're going up against Lupi Godinez, who is a great wrestler, you know, and um, just a, a decent striker. I will say on the feet, I I you give a slight edge to, edge to Reed, but um, you know, here here's the main problem with this fight. Uh. We all know Lupita Godinez. I mean, she's a great wrestler, probably probably the best wrestler, one of the best wrestlers, sorry, in the strawweight division. She just doesn't wrestle. Um, and like I said, she's just one of those fighters who is amazing in one thing, and I don't know if it's pride or what it is, ego, but just won't wrestle. She has one takedown in the last three fights, and it's not for, it's not because she can't, it's just for lack of trying. Um, I mean, a year ago, she loses to Angela Hill, which, I mean, Angela Hill, you know, is kind of, been around for a while, don't get me wrong, but um, that's not that's not a pretty loss, especially a decision loss against Angela Hill. So, I mean, I don't know. I think the talent discrepancy is why these odds are so far apart. But, man, this fight, the only she, – she'd look at minus, minus 2,000 in there if she actually wrestles, but she needs to wrestle. If she doesn't, she, I, she's, she could possibly let Elise Reed win a round, maybe two. Um, like I said, I think, like I said, at least Reed's power and her strikes are going to be enough to where, you know, it looks bad to the judges. But, um, yeah, I'm going to, 
I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm going to put a little faith in Loopy here. I want to say that, I mean, she may, I think she may get pieced up in the first round and I get frustrated with it and say, this isn't what I'm going to need to be doing and then start going for takedowns and winning the minutes. And then I think, um, like I said, Reed has terrible ground game, uh, gives her back far too often. So I'm going to have uh, Godinez winning via third round submission. I think she, I think she does see to it that she gets this fight to the ground and puts in work down there. And I think Reed is not good enough on the ground to last. So, yep, give me Godinez via third round submission. Yep, interesting you say that. I do have Godinez winning, but I don't have her finishing the fight. I do have it going to the decision. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, for sure. I mean, neither of these girls are finishers, unfortunately, but I'm relying relying on too much here, I guess, to happen, but taking my shot for submission there. Uh, moving on to the main card, I believe. Yep, in the featherweight division, we have Fernando Padilla versus Kyle Nelson. Um, you know, one of the most Mexican names going up against one of the most Canadian names ever. Um, moderate favorite in Fernando Padilla. Um, minus 250, Kyle Nelson plus 205. Um, I got Padilla winning via third-round knockout. Uh, I think on the ground, this dude's good. Um, this dude, actually, I will say, I think he's a good grappler. He's even better on the ground. Uh, his cardio holds up, especially in a division uh, 145 where cardio is king. Um and I think, you know, he has good cardio for a guy who loves who loves to just throw down. Um, his volume, his striking volume is great, and his cardio usually holds up. Um, Kyle Nelson, on the other hand, um, going to have a slight physique disadvantage here, uh, coming in two inches shorter and has like a significantly shorter reach by like five inches, which is crazy. Um, yeah, so Nelson's a very Kill or be killed fighter is the way to explain it. Um, every time he's gone, every time he's lost, it's been in the first round. So, you know, he 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 goes all out in first rounds. And like I said, that's just how some people fight. And um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, like he he goes all out in first rounds, and it usually doesn't end well for him. Um, at least at least that's how he used to fight. Now he kind of he kind of came back after a little layoff in his been a little strange he's uh a little timid now a little 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 scared to be doing that so i'm not really sure what he does this fight especially against someone who's going to be pushing him and you know it, it sometimes when it's someone who's like all up in your face throwing it's hard not to throw back even if it leaves yourself open um yeah like i said because this kyle nelson guy his cardio has been getting a little bit better since he's you know not like going all out in the first rounds but this dude has got awful cardio because he goes all, all out in first rounds um, I think regardless, I think Padilla is essentially going to kind of win the cardio game here. He's going to land more volume against Nelson. And um, I said, Nelson's going to eventually gas out one way or another. And that's why I got Padilla winning via third-round knockout. Yeah, so I actually have Padilla versus, via submission. Um, yeah, I pretty much agree with what you said, aside from Padilla via uh me saying Padilla versus submission. Yeah, understood. Um, moving on to another uh, main card fight, we have Daniel Zell Huber minus two eighty five going up against Christos Gialgos, uh plus two thirty dog. Um, yeah, so a guy in Zell Huber, the Golden Boy, who comes in um, wins wins his contender series via decision, unanimous decision. Then he come comes against Trey Ogden. Loses via unanimous decision. He looked he looked terrible 
against Trey Ogden. And that, that fight was oh, atrocious. But um, yeah, his next fight, he comes up against uh, Lando Venado and looks great again. So, you know, what's up with that? I'm not really sure. Uh, Zell Huber, a good a guy who has great power behind his strikes. And um I don't really see you I don't really see him being taken down. Excuse me. Um Yagos in his own right is a good wrestler and a good grappler. Um he's a decent striker. I don't think I don't think he's gonna you know, have a striking advantage on the feet, so I think uh he's probably gonna be looking for takedowns and like I say good luck against Zell Huber. Um yeah, I've noticed in Yagos' fights though, as the fight goes on, he just gets more and more sloppy. Like I said, his um uh, his car, his gas tank fails on him pretty early because uh, like he's a very high volume guy, and so I think this is one of those fights where uh, one guy's going to look really good very early, and the other guy's going to look a lot better later because the other guy gave everything he had pretty early, and um, you know, unfortunately for the guy that gives everything he has pretty early and can't get the other guy out, it usually never ends well for them. So yeah, I think if Zell Huber can, uh, the key here is uh, survival. If he can survive the first round, because I think Giagos has the ability to get him out of there. Um, I say he's a decent striker. Stri- I'm sorry, striker for what it's worth and a good wrestler and grappler. Striker. Yeah, I know. could combine a lot of um, abilities right there. But um, so, yeah, like I said, Iagos is going to look very competitive pretty early, and uh, the fight's going to be looking a lot closer than what the odds portray. But I am going I think I think Zell Huber is going to be able to survive here. Um, I'm not sure if he's ever been finished. Um. So I think he's pretty durable. So yeah, I think Alex after the first round, it's gonna, it's not gonna be pretty for Yago. So yeah, give me Zell Huber to win via second round submission. Yeah, I have Zell Huber via knockout. So again, like I said, most most of the stuff I'm agreeing with you. I think I think we do uh, see the same things. Yeah, most definitely. Like I said, it's not, it's not hard to watch tape and realize what fighters are good at and what fighters aren't good at and just look at the history of the UFC and see how things are going to go. Anyways, moving on to um, what should, you know, get the uh, Mexican crowd pretty hyped up with uh, their young gun, Raul Rosas, Raul Rosas Jr. Coming in as a minus, seven, <laughs> minus 750 favorite, at least, like I said, I last checked the odds yesterday or Wednesday, I should say. Um Going up against Terrence Mitchell, a plus 525 dog. Uh, heavy favorite going up against a heavy underdog. Uh, yeah, uh, not much to say about this. Uh, the talent discrepancy is pretty big between these two fighters. Um, I know people are low on uh, Rosas Jr. now after uh, a pretty, um, I guess, shocking uh, loss against Christian Rodriguez. Um, you know, like I, said, I think it just the hype train got derailed there. Uh, do I think he lost skill? No. Um, dude's 19 years old, not even, and he's just getting better uh, every fight, it looks like. Um, it's a guy who I think is going to be a problem for the bantamweight division for years to come. Um, going up against a guy in Terrence Mitchell, who will not be a problem for the middle for the bantamweight division for years to come. Um, yeah, like I said, there's levels to this. And um, even a guy who's, you know, like 15 years younger than you, he's, he's just like levels above you in the ground game. And, um, like I said, Rosas isn't exactly a good striker, but um, you know, I don't, I don't think this, I don't think this fight stays on the feet at all. Um, you know, especially if I, I'm hoping you know Raul Rosas Jr. is young, listens to his coaches. The coaches are gonna say, "Look, we get to this fight to the ground, and you just get to work." Um, as we know, 
Rizzo Jr. has excellent ground game, probably some of the best in the division at 19 years old, and he has good takedowns. Um, going up against a guy who hasn't fought good competition, and whenever he does face good competition, he looks terrible, and he he gets finished. It, it's awful. And, uh, and you know, and I've noticed this about Mitchell, too. Anytime he's on the ground, um, it's it's sketchy. I wouldn't say it's terrible, but it's, it's, it's sketchy. Kind of, you know, he puts himself in terrible situations, and you don't want to do that against Raul Rosas Jr., um, this almost feels like a fight UFC made to get this guy back on track in uh, Rosas Jr. Uh, as I said, the biggest odds, a biggest odd difference on the card for a reason. Uh, like I said, there's levels to this. Um, yeah, give me the younger fighter in Rosas Jr. to uh, get back on track here. UFC is gifting him yeah, a pretty easy fight. I got Rosas Jr. winning via second round submission. Yeah. Um, so I disagree with you. <laughs> um, not necessarily saying Rosas is a bad fighter or Terrence Mitchell is a good fighter, but I think pure prediction wise, I think Mitchell's gonna catch him. I think he's gonna uh I think he's gonna finish Rosas. Um I just think Rosas man, I maybe it's just recency bias like you were talking about earlier and making me think something, but dude, he looked horrible his last time out. So I'm just not real confident in him. Yeah, but, that, that, well, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. But um, I actually have a – I feel like I have a pretty decent amount of upsets. Well, I mean, the last few fights are kind of upsets, I guess, foreshadowing. But Yeah, that's fair. For what for what it's worth, I personally didn't think Rosas looked, like, terrible. I think, like I said, just the hype train was real in the sky and it just got derailed. Um, like I said, I mean, Rosas was only, like, a minus 200 favorite going into that fight. So, like I said, I don't know why people expected – um, you know, I expected him to win for what it's worth, but I don't know why people thought it was going to be a runaway fight um, going up against a tough guy in Christian Rodriguez. But, um, yeah, like I said, maybe he took a step up in competition too early. And like I said, um, UFC is going to give him this fighter to get back on track. And like I said, um, like I said unfortunately, Terrence Mitchell is, isn't just not that guy. Um, he doesn't he doesn't quite belong in the UFC. And um, but, yeah, I, I guess for I, I don't know, I don't even. I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I I feel like I could just completely disagree with you, but um, and we can move on. Well, let me let me say this. This might not make sense. I don't think Mitchell is necessarily a better fighter. I think he just gets it done. I think it's a it's just a massive upset. I mean, how many people were predicting Sean Strickland to beat Israel out of Sonya last week? All right, I, I guess I can respect it. Just calling calling your shot. I guess I guess I can see it. Yeah, basically, I'm not I'm not saying that Rosas is a not as good of a fighter. By any stretch of the imagination, uh, just just calling, kind of calling my shot. Like you all said. right, all right. So you sound, you sound, you sound decently confident in calling the upset. So I mean, it's 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 interesting to me as all. Well. But um, you, you got to believe it. To, uh, fair, to fair enough. Okay, I can I can respect that. You get behind. You got to get behind what you believe in. Um, <laughs> anyway, moving on to what I think has potential to be probably fight of the night. Um, it can be. Can be even fight of the year, maybe. Depends, excuse me, how these two guys come out and look. We have Kevin Holland, a familiar name, going up against another familiar name, Jack De La Maddalena. JDM, minus 148 favorite, going up against Kevin Holland, plus 125 dog. Yeah, odds are pretty much a pick Um, You know, we have a guy who's been in the UFC a while, a guy who's not, well, I guess he has been in the UFC uh, definitely not a while in the terms of Kevin Holland a while. Um so yeah, Holland, uh, welterweight division, six three, 
uh, 81 inch reach. Uh, as we know, this dude, this dude always looks like a behemoth. Um, I said, the dude is just a physical specimen for his division at 170. It's, it's kind of crazy to think that 170 pounds can fit on a six, three frame, but he does it. And, um, he usually never struggles making weight either, which is like, it's pretty impressive. Uh, anyways, as we know, Kevin, I say, as we know, sorry, I'm going to stop assuming Kevin Holland, good power, decent striking, not the best. You want to know why? Uh, he's mainly, a uh, I say he's black belt and BJJ. Um, you know, his defensive grappling, he don't look like a black belt, but boy, his offensive grappling makes up for it. So law of averages, black belt, baby. Um, you know, his, like I said, his decent, his striking is decent. He has good power, but I mean, and I, and I really, really say this about fighters unless I truly mean it. Kevin Holland is one of those guys where I truly mean it. Um, he may be one of the stupidest guys in the UFC. Um, black belt BJJ doesn't use it. He, he, he'd rather stay in there, stand and bang. Why, why, uh, why are you doing that? I don't know. I have no idea. He wants fans, dude. He but, wants fans. I mean, get it. He, I mean, he has fans. He's trailblazer for a reason. Like I said, the dude's 30 years old. I mean, he's still young in his UFC career, but, um, like I said, for some reason, I mean, he could win more fights, more of the fights he loses if he just chose, chose to grapple. Um, but he just doesn't, he, I mean, he's, he's stood in there and banged with the best of them. Uh, yeah, sometimes he wins, sometimes he doesn't. Uh, like I said, we fought, we saw this guy fight, you know, um, a little over a month ago, um, uh, one via submission against Michael Chiesa. I think, uh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what your prediction was in that fight, Peyton. I know mine was pretty confident for Kevin Holland and like I said, he went out there and kind of showed it. Um, yep, I believe I was pretty confident as well. And, um, so yeah. Kevin Holland, good all-around fighter, uh, terrible IQ though. So going up against uh, a 27-year-old Jack Della Mendelina, who's been making a name for himself. Uh, he's kind of got a little bit of a hype train going. He's 15 and two. He's five known in his last five. Um, yeah, the dude, dude's a great boxer. Um, one of the best in the welterweight division. Uh, his striking is incredible, and his volume is incredible. Like I said, the boxer through and through. Um, but for what it's worth, he's looked great against terrible competition. Um, you know, about a month ago, he wins via split decision against uh, Basil Hava, uh, Havas. Uh, who is that guy? Exactly. Um, you know, I think your best win is probably against Randy Brown. Um, can't believe I'm saying best win and Randy Brown in the same sentence, but um, I, I guess that's just, I don't know. if that I don't know if that's more in Dana White trying to make him look good. Uh, like I said, this could be one of those things where it's a huge step up in competition that uh, Della Mandolina is not ready for. Um, but for what it's worth, I think, like I said, um, he's going up against someone who, um, he's going up against someone who is going to fight JDM style, which is exactly what JDM needs. He doesn't need anyone trying to take him down and win minutes on the ground with them because he he knows he's not going to win the fight there. He's going to win the fight on the feet, and that's where the fight that's where this fight's going to stay, unless for some reason Kevin Holland has a uh, come to Jesus moment and decides, hey, maybe I should use what I have a black belt in. Um, it's like, he seems to only rely on that when he has to, even when he has to, he's like, oh, do I really, you know? So uh, it's, it's so hard to pick a guy. I mean, who does that? Like I said, it, I, you can't back someone who has some of the, like I said, not, not the greatest IQ in the UFC. I, said, I just don't get it. This guy could win if he wants to, but he often, he often chooses not to. Um, so yeah, I think this fight stays on the feet and I think, JDM JDM's probably going to win the minutes. He's going to, like I said, he's a boxer through and through. He's going to look great on the feet. But um, for what it's worth, I think Holland has the more powerful strikes. And 
I do think he's going to rock JDM. And I, 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 I can't really comfortably pick a winner here, but um, I got Holland winning via third round submission. I think he's going to rock JDM at some point. Like I said, we haven't seen JDM fight the best competition. This is a pretty big step up in Kevin Holland, who has fought great competition. Um, every single name he's fought, at least in the past you know, two years or so, two fought five years ago, uh, five years or so. Um, has been recognizable names. So, yeah, give me the guy who's much more experienced. Um, like I said, I think he's a better fighter, not not all around against Jack Della Mandolina. I think, obviously, JDM has a striking advantage as far as volume's concerned. But, um, yeah, give me the more experienced fighter, the one who has more passive victory, and Kevin Holland to uh, win via club and sub in the third round. Yeah, I mean, the last time we saw Kevin Holland, dude looked magnificent. Now, um, he is coming down from middleweight to welterweight. And, I mean, dude is absolutely enormous at, at welterweight. So, um, I think that's going to play a huge role in it. I think he's going to get it done against uh, – <clears throat> oh, boy. And uh, I think, yeah, I, I, I think he's going to – I think he's actually going to use his brain and wrestle. I think he – I think he's going to start – Maybe this is just what I want. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hoping, but I think he's going to start using his brain and actually like taking things a little bit more serious. Not that he doesn't take it seriously, but um, he could take it a little bit more seriously. And I think he's going to start. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll see. Like I said, I feel like there's like there's a and like I know I didn't mention this about Kevin Hahn. Um, that I just didn't think to, but for what it's worth, uh, he's never been knocked out. Um. I know you probably you may be looking at topology or like you know looking at stats and like, oh he's been knocked out before well no not really he I believe was fighting Stephen Thompson and broke his hand and just had to like kind of call it and say ah, look I gotta you know this or like you know this this just isn't gonna work work kind of thing you know I had his hand broken just really didn't stand a chance um, and like I said he's next level durable and so for a guy in JDM who have I haven't really witnessed like true power I've more or less just witnessed technique and stuff. Um, Maybe he does stun Holland. I don't know. Like I, said, I think this fight's close for a reason. I, I, I begrudgingly have to pick a winner here. So yeah, going into our main event, out. we have Alexa Grasso plus one forty dog going up against Valentina Shevchenko minus one sixty six favorite. Um, let's keep in mind here, really quick, before we all preface this, uh, Shevchenko I believe was like a minus seven fifty favorite the uh, last time they fought. Um, yes, they have fought before, uh, just recently, uh, six months ago, I believe. And uh, yeah, Grasso. Like I said, was a huge underdog and was able to get the uh, submission win against Shevchenko. Pretty impressive. Um, like I said, going up a, a huge underdog. Um, I think she was able to get, uh, sneak it out in the fourth round. Um, just kind of she kind of caught Shevchenko uh, making a mistake, really. And um, so yeah, um, Alexa Grasso going to be doing her first title defense. Excuse me, up against the former champion in Shevchenko. Um. You know, uh, unfortunately, I don't understand why these odds are so close. I, I really don't get it. Because, like I said, I prefaced this by saying there, there was a huge odds discrepancy last time they fought. Sure, the underdog won. I get it. But what has changed in six months? How What could you have possibly done to make the odds flip that much in the past six months? Um, I will say when this fight first opened up, I think the odds were like, it was like plus 200 either way. I'm sorry, like plus like 250 for Grasso and like minus like 300 for Shevchenko. Um, so I guess like a lot of money has been coming in on Grasso. Um, and I don't, like I said, I don't get it. Um, as you watched the last fight, 
or I don't know if you remember it or not, but Shevchenko, I think Grasso won the first round, um, and Shevchenko won the next four rounds. Um, up until Shevchenko, she, um, you know, she was piecing up Grasso, had her in a bond, tried doing like a spinning kick or something, and Grasso took advantage of her while she was like turned around, I believe, and was able to take her down and get a, get a choke and a really tight choke. Um, I will say, um, I have been impressed by the improvement in the grappling realm from Grasso. So um, for what it's worth, like I said, she's had she had Shevchenko in a couple of bonds at times, and like I said, she was eventually able to get her out of there via submission. But at the same time, um, she did it. She she more or less won because she was able to capitalize off of a mistake by on the Shevchenko side, which like I said, I mean, you're trained to do that. So you know, good for you. Uh, you know, I think she's a good striker, Grasso. I mean, but um, her accuracy is definitely uh, definitely not the best. Um. You know, so like I said, I don't, I'm not calling the last fight a fluke. Uh, she won fair and square, and I, uh, but man, I don't. Like I said, I think the, the, there's levels to this. I think Shevchenko is just on another level. Uh, I mean, I think Grasso has closed the gap for sure, but not enough to where these odds are like, oh man, it's a pick 'em. Uh, I don't think it's that. I don't think he said in six months what what could she have possibly done? I said I don't I don't think that much. So um, yeah, like I said, it's hard not to look at the previous fight as a predecessor for this one. Um, like I said, Shevchenko made a mistake. It happens. Um, <laughs> I don't think she makes the same mistake. Um, and I think she's taking this pretty serious, losing her belt like that. So, um, yeah, uh, give me Shevchenko to win via decision. I don't, I don't think she can finish Grasso. Like I saw, you know, I think we all kind of saw the fight, the way the fight was trending last time they fought. I think it's more or less going to turn out to be the same. Uh, yeah, and no, at the same time. Um, look. Grasso, yes, like you said, she she won the first round. But if you if you go back, um, one could definitely argue that she also won uh the third. <laughs> uh, Chef, Chef, I'm I'm serious, man. Or it was either the third or the fourth. I can't remember which one. But a lot of people argue that it was two two heading into the probably heading to the fifth round. Um, but I mean, Grasso held her held her own in that fight. Um, obviously Shevchenko made a mistake and Grasso, Grasso, uh, benefited from that mistake, but let's also remember Shevchenko the last few times out has not looked like Shevchenko that we have grown to know. Um, so I think, I think, I think it's kind of, uh, the runs ending for Shevchenko. I think the gap has definitely been closed. Now I never thought there, uh, the gap was quite as big as like, some of Amanda Nunez's opponents and Amanda Nunez, but uh, yeah, um, I think I think Grasso is definitely good enough to get it done. Uh, will she? I don't know. I'll predict her to, but um, yeah, I don't. I, I'm not super super confident in that. Yeah, I get it. Like I said, she's going up against Shevchenko, and um, like I said Shevchenko is, yeah, Shevchenko, is like years yeah. ahead of her as far as talent is concerned. Um, yeah, absolutely, but she's not exactly getting younger, and she hasn't. I mean, I don't know, dude. She just hasn't looked amazing the last few times out. Sure, but I mean, I think we all and um, I wasn't gonna try. I wasn't gonna bring her name into it, but you did. But um, we also we all saw what you know Nunez did as soon as she lost the belt. It uh, it wasn't a game anymore. <laughs> it wasn't a game anymore after she lost it. Um, you know, and she comes back out in style and wins. Uh. You know, like I, said, I, don't, I don't know. People are always saying like Shevchenko uh, hasn't been looking that great lately. She's on the verge of retirement. I mean, I don't, personally, I don't think so. Like I said, I think she kind of runs the division. 
And uh, I don't know. I could be dead wrong here. Like, so maybe I'm misreading the odds. But like I said, it's hard. I don't get it. Uh, looking at the last fight, I thought, I mean, she was easily up 3-1. Uh, it's hard to look at someone who doesn't have – it's hard to look at someone who has as much ground control as she did or just control time in general as she did and say they weren't winning. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, and like I said, I think – and maybe Shevchenko was a step slow or has been a step slow in her past couple fights. But um, I don't know. Like I said, I think maybe she, you know, takes it up a notch now that she's lost her belt. And it's, you know, like I said, not a game anymore. Um, we saw Nunes do it. Uh, I'm not saying Shevchenko is on Nunes level, but, um, you know, I, th- hey, I think I mean, for- if we see, if we see a resurgence from Shevchenko, it'd be, I mean, I'd, I'd really love to see it. Um, Cause like I said, the last few times she, she's been out there, she hadn't looked amazing. Um, so I'm, I'm really hoping to see a, a, a difference in her this time out. All right. Well, then that- and there's no doubt that she's, Arguably the goat of that def- division, if not for sure the goat. Um, so I don't I don't say that lightly when mm-hmm. I say uh, I'm pretty congrats to the winners. Kind of another one of the like the uh, call my shot type of things. Yeah, for sure. And um, like I said, for what it's worth, I think the odds should be a little bit further. Like I, said, I think they should be kind of around where they opened. I think that's a little fair. The fact that's like a pick them now. It's kind of crazy if you're if you're telling me it's 50 50 odds either these fighters win i'm gonna take the the side the 50 on the side of shevchenko every single time um i said i mean i know i said grasso's good in her own right i said uh she was on a tear for what it's worth but you know she also it was also like i said the whole championship fight between her and shevchenko was also one of those fights where like okay shevchenko's running out of opponents who do we put up you know like ufc's freaking out and so oh we'll put up a freaking like 10th rate competitor you know i said it was one of those fights so it's a kind of you know um reminding of uh adesanya and strickland um so i mean yeah i don't, I don't know but um like i said grasso's champion now shevchenko's the challenger um like i said i think shevchenko's gonna go back to her old ways and uh get it done pretty handily. I think it's like a 49-46 type of decision, if not 50-45. Yeah, I'd love to see it. So, um, we'll definitely see. Oh, yeah. But we'll move yeah, on to uh, college football if you'd like. Yeah, let's do it. So, um, for college football this week, honestly, not not a whole – not any kind of real marquee games. Obviously, game day is going to Colorado and Colorado State. That kind of shows you mm-hmm. – I mean, look, Colorado State's not very good. Colorado is a very fun story and all, but Colorado State sucks. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's one of those deals. Mm-hmm. Like they're just going to to wherever they think is going to get the most views. Uh, obviously, there's no huge games, so I have a few games circled. Um, one of them being my team, LSU, playing Mississippi State. Um, they'll probably be without Omar Spates, their starting middle linebacker. Um, maybe Mason Smith, their deep. Defensive tackle that's supposed oh to be all world. He um, got caught signing things again. No, he's still recovering from an ankle injury. Oh, boo freaking who? This dude expects to play in the NFL. Yeah. So, um, could be without two big players there. A, every um, team I support, there's always injuries. Every freaking team. So, this, this game is very interesting to me because, uh, now last, last year, Mississippi State threw the ball a lot. Um, this year, not so much. So I'm going to be interested to see how our run defense is. I think our run defense is fine. I think it plays into our strengths. 
that they run the ball a lot, but I'm interested to see if they try to pass it more because Will Rogers is definitely one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC. Um, if they throw the ball, I want to see if our secondary is improved. If not, we're in a lot of trouble. I think this game can tell you a lot about this year for LSU. Um, are they legit? Are they pretenders? Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. So I have that game circled. I'm definitely going to watch it, not just because it's my yeah. team, but it's because I'm, I'm I'm genuinely intrigued in the matchup. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, let me, can I ask you a question? Uh, like I know of uh, the um, Mike Leach passing. That's who it was, right, for Mississippi State? Um, correct. I know he was uh, – obviously his uh, scheme, if you will, offensively at least, was the air raid. Uh, I know he's very popular right. for that. As Mississippi State, I haven't watched their games this year. Um and I, I, I Rodgers is almost dead last in the SEC in attempts. Okay, I, I was about to say I was I was expecting Mississippi State to not take a complete step back from passing. Well, it kind of looks like they have, I guess. But um, yeah, they run the ball. Yeah, I was, so I was expecting them to yes utilize a little bit more balanced offense um this year. But um, that's why I was going to ask. I didn't know if they're still an air raid team because I mean I'm looking at their you know advanced statistics here and it's like um for what it's worth they have. They have quite literally a middle of the pack um, offense, and it's like split not evenly. The the passing's still a little bit better than the running game, but it's not not by a whole lot. They're both they're both mediocre, I will say. So, um, but uh, go ahead. What were you, what were you gonna say? Yeah. So their 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 new head coach Arnett, he's definitely more of a defensive minded guy. He's gonna run. He he's gonna want to out physical you, so he's gonna. I want to run the ball and then just just beat you up on defense. So it's a totally different, totally different team than it was last year. Like you said, they have a pretty middle of the middle of the pack offense. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm I'm really curious to see about LSU's defense. I mean, can we hold up against the middle of the pack uh, offense, or are we going to be trash like we were against Grambling? Um, so I'm interested to see that one just for the matchup. Uh, I think LSU's offense. Honestly, I think their offense can can score with anybody. Um, I mean, I don't think they're super high octane, but I think they'll be they'll they'll keep you in the game in any kind of game. So I'm not too too worried about the offensive side of things, but in terms of defense, I'm I'm very worried. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, I'll say I'll say this one thing before we move on, but um, for what it's worth, like I said, um, you know me, I uh, I use the term advanced statistics a lot. Looking at the sheet I have in front of me, um, updated rankings. Um, how many teams are there in the FBS? Like 130 something. 131, I believe. 131. Yeah, we'll, we'll just round to 130 for this sake. LSU's defense ranks at 121, um, in advanced ratings. Uh, 123 passing defense and 99th in rushing defense. But flip side, obviously, offense, like you said, it's not the most high octane offense for what it's worth. They got the 15th, uh, 15th fastest offensive pace in the um. You know, in the NCAA, they have 14th ranked yards per play. Um, they also have a top 25 yards per pass, which I know that may be kind of surprising here in that um, for Daniels. But, um, you know, for what it's worth, uh, you know, they do have the opportunities to be explosive or high octane, I guess, if you will. And I think they're like maybe a couple steps away from that. Um, will this offense ever get there? I don't know. Like you said, they have, they have the um, ability to. Just not sure if they will. And like you said, obviously the main concern here is the defense, and so which is kind of you know surprising. But uh, I mean, people in and out of the lineup all the time, you know, and get some um, still trying to figure things out on that end. So yeah, it should be a very interesting game. I know the spread is like ten or something like that. 
Uh, yeah, I favor Villas too, which is shocking. Yeah, no, I kind of expected it to be a little closer. Um, you know, I mean, like I said, that thing in front of Misa has, has a projected spread in favor of LSU of uh, 0.04. So, I mean, Lily has this game out of the pick em. And I think maybe that's a little generous for Mississippi State. I still think as far as talent's concerned, LSU has a definite edge. But, oh, without a doubt there. But, you know, uh, production has obviously been shockingly low, I guess, so far. So, I don't know. We'll see. It's just, like, like you said, it's just very interesting because – this could be a tale of many stories, and uh, it's going to be at 11 a.m. too at Mississippi State, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, correct. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting game all around. But uh, we can move on to your yeah. next game you have circled, if you'd like. Well, I'll, see, I'll say one more thing about that game. Um, I'm expecting Brian Kelly to make a lot of changes. Um, he's already committed to playing some more freshman guys, and he had a he had a pretty good freshman class come in. So, um. Yeah, I'm excited to see some freshmen. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, he's yeah. kind of throwing out some more more trust in them. So, um, yeah. I look for them to definitely make improvements. I don't. I mean, I think Coach Kelly is one of the better coaches in college football. Obviously, one of the most winningest coaches of all time. So, I don't. I mean, let's let's not let's not discredit the man. He knows what mm-hmm. he's doing. So, I'm expecting him to make some changes and and get things right sooner rather than later so maybe they come in maybe they uh maybe they look awesome saturday i i don't i don't think they will but we'll, we, we, we'll, see. we'll see yeah yeah absolutely like i said it's just gonna be it, uh, multiple stories can play out here um obviously there's you know being lsu fans is a certain story we'd like to see play out and that's drastic improvements from the defense and the offense to more or less um you know to make a i guess a couple steps forward like i said the offense is uh i mean it's been decently impressive for what it's worth um, you know, they have their bright spots and they have their low spots, but, um, you know, for what it's worth, I have, I have little concerns for the offense and, uh, major concerns for the defense. But, uh, like you said, Brian Kelly, um, you know, hard to argue, like I said, being a head coach, you probably get frustrated at the production you've seen from some certain players, um, on your team. So yeah, why not give freshmen a shot, especially considering, you know, you probably want them on your team. <laughs> like you said, if they're one, like, I don't, uh, if they're one of the better classes, in the NCAA, uh, you probably want to keep them. So why, why not? Why yeah, not give him PT? I want to say it was the fifth ranked class, and uh, he really addressed needs on LSU's team. I really like the class. Um, I followed the class pretty closely. One one of my stalker. I've always always followed recruiting, but uh, it was one of the classes that I followed most closely, and it felt like I think every single one of them were signed for a pretty good while. On signing day, we only had one flip, so it, it seems like a pretty tight knit group. Um, I think they work well together, so I think I'm. I really do think they'll get it figured out. I think most of their problems are that they've built a secondary from the transfer portal for a second year in a row. Um, you know how I feel about that. I don't think that's sustainable. I think every once in a while you'll have some good years, right. but uh, you, you you have to build that off of recruiting at the end of the day. No, until that's uh prom, Coach Prom, or Florida State. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking my luggage with Which me. Looks, I mean, like that's what I'm saying. Like Florida State's team is built off the transfer portal, and yeah, they. I mean, they're great this year, but when's the last time they were good? Yeah, that's fair. So, I mean, they were okay, an okay team last year, mm-hmm. but obviously they've taken a pretty large leap. 
and I can you get credit to some of the players they brought in, but um, yeah, I mean, not only were were the transfer portal, but a couple of transfer portal guys that they have have been there for a few years now. So even their quarterback Jordan Travis came came over from Louisville from the transfer portal. So hmm. we'll see. I think uh, I'm interested to see what Florida State looks like next year. Uh, and LSU, oh, man, we desperately need to be recruiting high school corners and safeties, more so corners and safety. But we'll move on to the next game. Um, my next intriguing game is South Carolina versus Georgia. So at the beginning of the year in our SEC breakdown, I projected South Carolina to upset Georgia. I'm absolutely taking that back now. They look like crap. Um, yeah. However, this is still an intriguing game. Uh, Georgia doesn't look as dominant as they have in the years past, but I still think they dominate South Carolina. So, just like I said, kind of a slow week in football, but one of the more intriguing games, I guess you can say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I mean, I don't, I really don't blame you for, I guess, calling your shot. Obviously, it seemed ridiculous at the time. It seems ridiculous now to say South Carolina could be Georgia, but I mean, let's remember the you know peak South Carolina, how they were looking at the end of last season. Um, I mean, they were. They're putting people in a bond left and right. But, uh, yeah, uh, they haven't uh, – I mean, I, obviously, I think they, they beat Furman, I assume. I didn't – obviously, I didn't keep up with that game. Yeah, they beat Furman. Okay. Um, hey, that's something Virginia couldn't do in the uh, March Madness, so uh, good for South Carolina. Um, but, yeah, like I said, looking at their stats now, um, obviously, Georgia on pace to 3 P. Um, yeah, you can hear the excitement in my voice. Uh, <laughs> South yeah, Carolina. You and everybody else. <laughs> South, any, anybody but Bama, you know, I guess. But um, anyways, um, frustrates me to see a team so dominant. Anyways, um, yeah, South Carolina, god-awful passing defense, mediocre rushing defense. Um, South Carolina can't run the ball to save their life, but for what it's worth, they can pass. I mean, Spencer Radler, I mean, I think, you know, even though uh, – I still, I'm still in the boat if he's he's goofy looking, so how can he be good? But um, I think you know he's still. Uh, I mean, if we're, I, th- I still think he's a top tier quarterback. Um, he he was at Oklahoma right before he moved to South Carolina. Correct. Yeah, I mean, obviously disappointment there. But um, oh, that reminds me of another transfer. Maybe we should talk about. But uh, yeah, anyways, I agree with you. I think like I said um. Yeah, I guess like games this week are few and far between as far as like competitive and interesting at the same time. But um, yeah, uh, first SEC uh, game for both these teams, I believe. And uh, yeah, I think Georgia, Georgia needs to come out and show that they're um, you know, they're still the team that you need to be. And uh, yeah, I think you know, I think to do that, you you get. I mean, you probably beat. Hey, you probably had to beat South Carolina by at least like twenty four. I'd say I don't know what the spread is, but um. Maybe by thirty or something, really show people you mean business. And um, if you're South Carolina, just I don't know, hold on for dear life. I don't know, your defense is awful. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't even know what to say. We can stop talking about it. Um, good luck, South Carolina. Yeah, that's about all you could say. Look, I tried. I tried. To, I tried to spin it. I was trying my best there to. Like, I'm usually good at winging things, but as I was looking at it, I was like, okay, <laughs> it ain't gonna happen, Chief. Yeah, it ain't gonna happen. So, yeah, we'll move on to the next game because that ain't happening, <laughs> like you said. Um, my next game is Tennessee versus Florida, another one of those really intriguing games. Uh, I, d- 
the spread is Tennessee by seven and a half, which is I, I think is a little bit low. Um, I think peak Tennessee. Now they haven't played to their potential. Let me say that, but I do think peak Tennessee is much, much, much better than than uh, Florida. I'm not a big fan of Florida. Uh, not a believer in them, like some people are. Hey, maybe they'll prove me wrong. Maybe they'll beat Tennessee, but I, I don't see it. I don't see this game being close. Not when you say when I say close, I mean it's at least two scores. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I guess I'm with you on that. Uh. Yeah. I mean Tennessee. I think yes, it's still they're still Tennessee. I mean they're not quite Tennessee of last year. I don't think at least. But for what it's worth, they've had a very impressive defense so far this year. Um. I know, obviously, you're, the competition you're playing isn't the best in the world, but, uh, you know, it's still up to you to look good against those teams, and I think they have. Um, and like I said, I, I'm pretty down with Florida, too. Uh, hopefully I said that in our conference predictions. I can't remember if I said that or not. Um, okay, good. Um, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, um, like I said, I didn't, I didn't see this team doing all that great, especially losing Anthony Richardson. I mean, how can you? Um yeah, I mean, like I said, on top of that, for what it's worth, I think the talent. Yeah, I don't know. The talent just isn't living up to uh, expectations, which I get. I guess is a new thing for Florida now. With um, who oh, remind me who the head coach is? Napier. First of all, it's not a new thing. That's been. A thing, uh, I mean, fair enough. Yes, fair enough. Billy Napier. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I guess it's really a thing now where they just the talent just can never live up to expectations. Um, which I mean. You know, Florida didn't even have – I don't even think they had that high of expectations. But, um, yeah, um, for a team that struggles in the offensive department going up against a Tennessee defense has been uh, excellent. Like I said, I, I always say I think offense always trumps defense, but at the end of the day, you, ha- I mean, you have to have a good offense to trump a good defense. And I don't think Florida has that great of an offense. Um, you know, granted, tough competition your first game you play Utah. I don't know how much you lost by against Utah, but I remember it wasn't exactly the prettiest game. Um, like you said, you think the spread for this game is too low. I kind of agree. Uh, I don't think it should be that much bigger, though. I mean, I think like a double-digit spread is realistic. I'd say like I, I think Tennessee can win by 10-plus. Um, anything more than that, though, I'm a, I'm a little uncomfortable saying. But um, like I said, it's, it's also a matter of the um, – I mean, first SEC game, you're going into Gainesville to play. So, I mean, like I said, they all that's taken into account. So, um yeah, maybe that's why the spread isn't double digits. Maybe it's got bumped down to, you know, a touchdown just because Tennessee's having to play Florida at home. Um, and I said, uh, maybe since Florida beat up on McNeese, maybe maybe recency bias is taking effect on the spread. I don't know. But I agree with you. I, um, I would definitely be betting, or I mean, I'm, I'm going to look into it a little bit more, but that uh, Tennessee minus seven and a half is very, very juicy, very good looking to me at least. Yeah. Uh, I think I did bet it, actually, matter of fact. Um, so, I'm looking forward to it. We'll see. Like I said, I'm not too high on Florida. But we'll move on to the next game. Um, Wyoming and Texas. Now, I don't think Wyoming is going to win that game. Don't get me wrong. I don't <laughs> so, think you start off with Wyoming. I was like, oh? <laughs> but then you said Texas. Um, like, okay. But I want to see what Texas looks like uh, post-Bama week. So, um. It'll be interesting to see what they look like. Wyoming did beat a pretty good Texas Tech team, so yeah, it's not they're no slouch. They also went toe to toe with a good. No, no, no. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Texas Tech, who they beat, went toe to toe with a, a very good Oregon team. So mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, I, I want to see what Texas looks like the week after Bama. Yeah, absolutely. It should be interesting to see because, um, you know, we were saying earlier, you know, Texas is back. And like you said, it's kind of a passing of the torch or at least, you know, really uh, someone taking it away from Alabama. I think it's still kind of up in there who, who like really grabs it and becomes that marquee team. Um, as I said, I mean, signs kind of point towards a couple of teams. I think one of them being Texas. But um, Georgia. Yeah, I was about to say, one of them being Texas. The other one, obviously, Georgia. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know. Uh, for, like I said, for what it's worth, Wyoming isn't the worst team out there. Um, are they? Are they the best though? Um, not sure. Uh, I mean, I, I am sure they're they're not. Um, <laughs> Texas, on the other hand, though, like I said, pretty dominant. Uh, like I said, it should be interesting to see if they're a little bit hungover. Yes, after the Alabama win, Tuscaloosa, but um, yeah, I'm I'm in, I am also interested to see how they fare. You know. The week after, I think I think they should be able to perform to standards. Um, for what it's for what it's worth, I do. I personally lean on the side of blowout via Texas domination. But uh, so interesting, you said that. I did bet on the spread. I, I bet on Wyoming to cover. What is the spread? It's in the twenties. I mean, it's 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 a good bit. Um, what I got it for? Is this game home or away? I'm sure it's home for Texas. Oh, hmm. let me see. Pulling it up right now. Wyoming plus twenty-eight and a half. Oh, so four, four touchdowns. No, more than four touchdowns and extra points. Yeah, that's a pretty, that's a pretty freaking big spread. Um, for a Wyoming team who's who's a very physical team, that they, they're not bad. So yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I still lean on the side of Texas, but we'll see. Yeah. So, moving on to my sicko game of the week, though. My sicko game of the week is going to be Northern Illinois versus Nebraska, I think. Oh, God. Uh, Both teams are really, really bad offensively. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. I think it's going to be a sick game to watch. With that being said, I will definitely be tuning in. <laughs> yeah, like I said, in a week where like there's not really super like competitive games or entertaining games out there, where it's like, oh man, this can be taking up my whole day. Like, yeah, it's kind of like, uh, um, definitely be. One. I think it'll be one where like I'm flipping, I'm flipping to during commercials of other games. If that makes sense, you know. That's that's oh, I think that's gonna be my backup game. I'm not sure what time actually it's being played. Depending on the time it's played, maybe it's the main one I watch. Yeah. Uh... But yeah, like I said, just not a very great week of college football. But you know, it's college football nonetheless. So yeah, absolutely. Still, um, exciting times. Um, still, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um. But uh, I don't know. It's good to have college football back finally, um, even if there aren't a, a lot of great games. You know, there's some games to watch out there. There's another sick game too, like uh, uh, Vanderbilt and UNLV. Obviously, two of the not so good teams in college football. Um, I think Vanderbilt is a perennial bottom feeder. 
I don't think that'll ever change really. So, um, yeah, I, I look for that to be a sick, pretty sick game as well. Um, and like I said uh, a few episodes ago, if you don't know what I mean by sick, I'm just not good football team play. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we'll see. That's another. That's another one to keep your eye on if you're if you're into that kind of thing. Oh yeah, most definitely, most definitely. There we go. I got life back to my mouse. Had to scrounge for a battery. Back in business, baby. Anyways, um, yeah. Um, any other college games you want to cover, or you think you're happy? Nope. I think I'm happy with that. Yeah, that's like kind of a weird week. Um, we could spin the wheel of randomness and see where what uh, team we land on, but uh. I said, I don't know if we can. Uh, we could just skip it this week. Like I said, I think we've covered it enough. If you're fine with that, yeah, I'm good with, with All right. without it. I can do without it. All right, say less. Uh, you want to cover like maybe two or three? I was about to say UFC games, uh, NFL games. Yeah, I'm I'm good to cover a few. All right. Oh, uh, I think we have a couple of interesting ones. Uh, I think the most intriguing one is Ravens and Bengals. Yeah, yeah, I kind of agree. I think, uh, you know, in my opinion, as a Ravens fan, you know, I. I truthfully don't, I don't think this game should be pretty. Um, you know, as we know what what Joe Burrow has the ability to do, um, really to any secondary, but uh, one in Baltimore where it's been beaten, battered, bruised, um, chewed up, spit out, ran over by multiple cars, um, you know, hogtied, put in front of a train. Um, yeah, uh, Joe Burrow coming off of a terrible performance. Uh, after being the highest-paid quarterback in the league. Yeah, truthfully, I don't think this game's going to be pretty for the Ravens. Um, it's really going to be on the offense to keep it competitive. I think maybe the reason the spread is a little bit close is because people are kind of remembering the game last year where, uh, you know, obviously the Ravens under that a terrorist um, offense uh, offensive coordinator were able to keep it competitive, and truthfully they lost because um, it was a QB dive over the goal line that went awry. <laughs> And that's at the end of the day, I think the Ravens only lost by a touchdown, um, if even. And so, like I said, maybe people are remembering that game, but truthfully, like I said, being a Ravens game, being a Ravens fan, I am scared of the Bengals, especially playing them at home, coming off of a terrible loss. Because I, I remember the games of Marlon Humphrey getting torched by Jamar Chase, and um, you know, being the clown he is, he's not going to be there, which is unfortunate. He goes, he's uh, even though I think he's a shell of his former self, he's still our best cornerback. And uh, we're going to have, you know, F-tier um, cornerbacks out there running around. People who were on the practice squad last year for other teams are going to be out there trying to guard Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. So, yeah, um, have fun with that Ravens secondary. Um, surely surely Joe Burrow is not going to be mad that he did terrible last game. Surely he's not going to be looking for a redemption game of 450 yards and four touchdowns, um, you know. Surely he won't repeat history and just, you know, make you a laughing stock. So, yeah, um, I think, like I said, the spread's three and a half for that game. I, you have to go Bengals there. Like I said, I think the – I think I, I think I'm not sure if I've seen the script or what, but like I said, I don't, I don't even see other, – other than the playoff game, I don't see why the spread is so close. And so like said, maybe it's because of a revived Baltimore offense, but even that looked terrible against the Texans, so. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know if you saw this, but – let me, well, let me let me preface this by saying this: Joe Burrow might be one of the corniest players in the NFL. Uh, hello, I, I'm yeah, I'm listening. Can you hear me? Yep, I'm I'm listening. Hello, 
Hey. No, sorry. It kind of my my screen kind of freaked out for a second. Oh, yeah, you're, no, you're good. You're good. Okay. Oh, yeah, I can hear right. you. Um. So he's kind of one of the corniest players in the league, in the sense of like he does some corny things, but they work. So like people people love it. So I don't know if you saw this, but he he did get a haircut. Um, and he looked locked in at practice. So um. <laughs> you know Joe Burrow, maybe that that might be a a sign of things to come. Oh uh, yeah, like absolutely, absolutely. Like I said, being a Ravens fan, I know I'm supposed to, supposed to support my own team, but um, I see, I, like I said, I don't see how you can comfortably bet on the Ravens spread after, and like and maybe it's recency bias too of how bad the Bengals looked um, last week in unfavorable weather, um, away. Like I said, we I know we know Joe Burrow doesn't do well in the first week. But um, yeah, like I, said, I think it's important the Browns. Yeah, that too. So like I said, it was a perfect storm for him. But um, yeah, I think you know, you're playing two AFC North opponents in a row. Um, you don't lose two in a row if you're the Bengals, two AFC North opponents. So yeah, um, I think they, I, I think they beat the Ravens like 31-24, 31-21, something like that. Um, I think it's, and even that's me being generous for the Ravens. I think this game isn't going to be. Too pretty. I think you're overthinking. I think the Ravens are a very good football team. So, but uh, we'll move on to another game that I, I think is pretty interesting, and that's the Chiefs and the Jaguars. Nice. I was hoping you'd go that way. Yes. Um. So I'm. Is Kelsey available? Do you know? Yeah, he should. I, I believe so because I believe he was like a game time decision for last game, which was as we as we know last Thursday. So I, I have to assume. Oh yeah, he was he was a full participant practice today. I believe I read or yesterday. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I did see that. Yeah, so having Kelsey back is going to be huge. Having Chris Jones back is going to be absolutely enormous. Um, but let's 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 remember the Jaguars did take uh did take the Chiefs to the brink there in the a- AFC divisional game. Yes, it was the divisional game. I'm sorry, I was trying to remember. Um, they took them to the brink there. Uh. I, Trevor Lawrence has arrived as a player. Um, I think it'll be a, a sneaky good game. Yeah. Um, due, due to, you know me, I love my analytics and my stats. So due to those two things, I'm going to have to say Kansas City kind of wins in dominant fashion here, even playing away at Jacksonville, a good Jacksonville team. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, Calvin Ridley has came out and kind of silenced the uh, naysayers. Um you know he's he's back to his former glory off of his uh, suspensions, and like I said you yeah you took. Which, by the way, that's the stupidest suspension. Yeah, but I mean, it, I guess you know, it, 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 NFL really flexing their power. That's all it is. As it's it's kind of a joke of a league, but it, it is what it is. Um, so yeah, uh, like I said, I mean Jacksonville obviously solid offense. You know they just re-signed Evan Ingram. Good for them. Solid tight end. Um. You know, ETN, great running back. And like I said, uh, beyond Calvin Ridley, uh, Zay Jones, who am I missing? Christian Kirk, is that one? Um, yes. You have a really solid offense. Like I said, your offensive line is pretty decent too. Um, and you, you know me at this point. Usually if I talk pretty high about someone or something, um, I usually have a pretty big counter. Uh, but like you said, uh, Chris Jones coming back. A Kansas City defense who likes – I mean, not the best on paper. But I mean, for what it's worth. Um, they keep them in the game. Yeah, exa- exactly. I mean, exactly. that's what they need. Yeah, um, and I said, I mean, Detroit, I think Detroit's a good team this year. So, I mean, I'm not shocked that they beat Kansas oh, yeah. City without Travis Kelsey. Um, 
because me and you have discussed multiple times, I think both me and you are in agreement that the Kansas City is a trio of certain people, and one person of that trio was missing, and we kind of saw how bad the, the Chiefs could be um, without Travis Kelsey. And now he's coming back, and I saw something. This is my main thing, too. This is kind of what I'm going off of. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is like 14-3 and three after a loss, so hmm. something crazy, and it's a point differential of – like a little bit above 12 and his wins coming off of a loss. So yeah, if you're having to face Patrick Mahomes coming off of a loss, um, hold on. Yeah. Hold on to your hats. It's typically not pretty. He usually has something to prove. And now Travis Kelsey has something to prove. Andy Reid has something to prove. Chris Jones has something to prove. Um, don't give them guys. Yeah, no, yeah. You're, you're, you're going up against a Kansas city team. Who's going to be fired up coming off of a, um, the, the first game of the NFL season loss, uh, former Super Bowl champs. Um, I, I'll say Super Bowl champs. I should say. Um, I say defending. I, I, yeah. The, yes. Do, yeah. Defending Super Bowl champs. Um, yeah. Off of a game that wasn't pretty. Um, it really, I guess at the end of the day, it's going to be up to the wide receivers also to kind of help take the load off of Travis Kelsey. But I mean, we know what Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey can do. Yeah. Anyway. Exactly. That's what I say. I mean. I mean, it's Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, man. That's probably the most unstoppable duo in the NFL. Um, you know what they're going to do. Yeah, and like I said, they're, they're just going to do it anyway. Yeah, and I mean, how many points did they give up to the Colts, the Jaguars? I mean, how many points did they give up to the Colts last week? It wasn't look great. Yeah, it wasn't a pretty I mean, game. Anthony it was, it was a freaking a good quarterback. Yeah, no, it was a it was a black. I'm sorry, back and forth um, fight between the two Colts and Jaguars. Uh, and I wouldn't call the Colts the worst team in the league, but I would put them definitely easily, confidently in the bottom, bottom third three. of the league. Um, yeah, even like I'd say bottom five. Maybe I, I'm a little impressed what they did against Jacksonville. Um, Anthony Richardson kind of impressed me. But um, like I said, for what it's worth, I think mm. um, mm-hmm. the story is too big for Kansas City to make this game close. I think, yeah, maybe close for like the first half. Or even if Jacksonville's winning, you know, Kansas City is going to do the thing, you know, that meme where the guy sits up in the chair to really focus in on the game because he's like down 10 and 2K or something. Yes. I think that's kind of one of these situations for Kansas City. So I think it's going to be um, probably a double digit victory for Kansas City. Um, yeah, with all everything I said, I do agree with that. Um, it's kind of why I, one of the reasons I picked this game, Kansas City is going to return. They're, they're going to uh, bounce back from a loss. Yeah. Especially with Kelsey and Jones back now, because a lot of people get caught up in the uh, the trio of Mahomes, Reed, and Kelsey. But hey, Chris Jones is a massive part of that defense, and I mean the Lions were just taking what they could get on the ground, and that's how that's a, really how they won that game because the Kansas City Chiefs couldn't stop the run right. with Chris Jones back. Yeah, good luck trying to run the ball like that. Yeah, absolutely. Is there? Um, we can cover one more game if you're all right with that. Um, I'm not sure yeah. if you have any. If you have a game in mind, if not, I can pick one. No, I, I've picked every game, so I'll let you. Pick all right, one. I, I'm kind of between two here, but I'll just pick one just so we can wrap this up. Um, it's between Sunday night prime time. I mean, actually, the Monday night. It is a double header on Monday night, by the way. Um, no, Sun- Dion's playing. No, been waiting all day for a Sunday night kind of prime time. Not um. Not, excuse me, Colorado, um, which we didn't really touch on that. Maybe we should have. Either way, oh, that, that ship sailed. Uh, I'll go with uh, New York at Dallas. Uh, New York, that is the Jets. 
Uh, as we know, we saw what the Giants and Cowboys game turned out to be uh, on Sunday night. It was a uh, shellacking by the Cowboys. Um, they ain't going to forget 9-10 either, no? Nope, not at all. And um, so yeah, it should be interesting to see how the Jets uh, – um, obviously, we know Aaron Rodgers out for the season with the torn Achilles after four plays with the Jets. Um, but for what it's worth, the Jets still won off of a walk-off um, punt return for a touchdown. So, um, like I said, for what it's worth, I still, I'm still confident in the Jets' defense. And um, obviously, <laughs> not too confident in the Zach Wilson-led offense. Um. I mean, I can't even say that he looked good filling in for Aaron Rodgers. He looked like Zach Wilson, unfortunately. Um, Sadly, so did Josh Allen. Yeah, yeah, and um, but is is a is a forty point outing from the Cowboys against the Giants is that sustainable? Uh, I don't think so. You're going up against a Jets defense who's going to, you know, I think they're going to push you to a brink. They could, they'll push the Jets defense will push any team, any offense to the brink. You really have to have like a mastermind of a coach to help you there. Um, and I think, you know, McCarthy, one of the top coaches in the league, I know that there's obviously a stigma around him that he can just, he never gets the job done. But I mean, I guess for, for what it's worth, I still think he's a good coach. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know what the spread is for this game, but I do. And you're playing this like in, um, oh, what, what's their, uh, what's the Cowboy stadium called? 18 T. Yeah. I think, I think they win. Um, I think the Cowboys are able to win against the Jets. Uh, like I said, unfortunately, I just don't see – I don't see this Jets offense really getting going. Um, I think, you know, the, the Jets are definitely going to swing more to the run game again now that Rodgers is out. You know, they obviously plan on having a more balanced offense with Rodgers in, but now that he's out, I mean, what do you do? You have Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall in the backfield, so you go to them. But you're going up against a Dallas, Dallas defense, a Dallas D-line with Micah Parsons. Yeah, good freaking luck with the guy who um, – and Brees Hall who's still trying to recover from his injury and Dalvin Cook who's a little bit past his prime. Uh, like I said, I mean, good good luck, Jets, is all I have to say. Um, I think Dallas wins this one by um, – I want to say like seven by a touchdown. Um, you know, I think for what it's worth, it'll still be a good game, but I don't think – um, I don't think the Jets have what it takes to get it done. If they had Aaron Rodgers, I could I'd say it's a close game and I could I could see it going either way, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think uh look, obviously Aaron Rodgers lasted seventy five seconds, just slightly longer than I do. <laughs> um Um so just a heartbreaking injury for them. Um yeah, and that, that's kind of what I said a while back is when Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, man, he gets hurt. Like, mm-hmm. it's never a simple injury for him. So, just horrible luck for Aaron Rodgers. Wish the best for him. Don't think we'll see him again playing, at least at a high level. I think that that's, I mean, that's a pretty gruesome injury for a guy that old. So, I hate that for him. But, uh, yeah, in terms of the Jets, I, Zach Wilson, they're 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 doubling down that this is, this is uh, his team. I don't think that's the right move. I think you you have to go try to make a trade for somebody. Um, I get you don't want to give up anything good, and you have no leverage in the trade right now. But you gotta go get, try to get somebody. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, there's plenty of veteran free agents out there too who can come in and help. But um, yeah, I think the Jets are gonna try and hold tight and see if they can just you know. I think they're they're riding the confidence of the Bills win um a little bit too much here. But uh yeah, we'll see. Yeah, you you don't get that performance from Josh Allen very often. No. So 
Um, and that's another thing. I, I wonder how he's gonna he's gonna respond. Yeah, they. Uh, I think he should be fine. I said he's gonna be um, playing at home against the Raiders. So, uh, yeah, that should that should be that should be an easy one for Josh Allen. But um, any other any else anything else? I'm sorry you want to cover before we wrap up. Nope, I think I'm good. All right. Well, thank you all for tuning in. As always, uh, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, enjoy yourself some football this weekend. Enjoy yourself a um a free pay per view card from the UFC. And uh, we'll catch you next time. We'll catch you on Monday's episode. So once again, thanks for tuning in. Peace.